from the City of Roses. This is the podcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, we are here live in the LashCast studios. Live, I guess it's recorded, but anyhow, we're here. Right now we're live. We're live right this moment. God willing, we'll stay that way for a little bit longer. Yes. Hey, so today we actually have, I think, a pretty interesting topic. And I'm excited to talk about this. We are going to basically talk about why your clients don't return. Mm. I mean, they're really probably more ideas than we could think of. But we came up with like eight or nine. I think there are good ones that we've seen, even our own business, and ones that I've seen or heard through other people, or just we've experienced ourselves when we've gone out and we've done stuff, right? We've been at places, hair salons, well, not me, but restaurants, hotels, and there's certain things you see and go, ugh. Yeah, why you don't return. Like we used to go to this one diner. It was right around our house and I loved it because it was just like a greasy spoon diner. But even after going where people know your name and they just know your order, we stopped going for certain reasons. Because they act like we were strangers every time. They were so indifferent. They could not care less. And we're just like, you know what? This sucks, I can man. Get bad service elsewhere and better food. I know. Why? Yeah. Why are we doing? We this? were doing. It was already bad food, right? Yeah, <laughs> it place, was bad food. But at least initially, kind of knew us. Know, they knew you. They know us. It was cheap. Every, yeah, it's cheap. It's fast. Whatever. Yeah. And it's like it gets worse and worse. Yeah. It's like almost like they resent you're there again. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so we stopped going there. Or forget this place. So now we're at the Four Seasons. No, no. I. <laughs> It's like, we'll pay 10 times what we need to. No, now we're on the lookout for something better. And that's what people do when they are not happy with where they're going. They look for something better. There's usually a straw that breaks the camel's back. And today we're going to talk about some of those straws. Yep. And before we do that, guys, we just want to give a big, not shout out, but just remind you guys of a few announcements. We have our next class for um, where Tesla's going to be teaching our Lash Retention and Styling course is going to be in Austin, Texas with Shelby of Lash Boss Radio at Pink Lady Lash. That's April 9th through the 10th. So if you're interested in the show notes, you can go there and get the link to it or go to our Instagram page and you can sign up today. This course, as we've probably heard us say a thousand times, is going to change the way you design and most importantly, get you that lash retention you want so the lashes hold up. Not just exist, but literally hold up for yeah, four it, weeks. It's giving you the best mechanical fit so that your lashes can be super durable. And I'll tell you, that is one thing that your clients will continue to come back for. And by the way, I see this once in a while now. Just a side note, this will just go off this little rabbit trail. I've seen lately a couple of people out there pushing eight-week retention. And while I, I, I would love to know more what they mean by that, but I can assure you they don't mean eight weeks between clients. No clients can go eight weeks. Why would that be tough? Why would be not, they not go eight weeks between appointments? Because they're going to look really straggly. Yeah, yeah, they will have one or two lashes from or, that initial or, set. Or maybe they'll have 20, but whatever it is, they're holding on for dear life. They're so far grown out. What are you talking about eight weeks? Someone- okay, think about eight weeks on your fingernails, right? That is some major growing out action, right? Yeah. So yeah, when I see that, and you may see that, go, well, you're only claiming four weeks. And I've seen some people now claiming eight-week retention. In fact, when we first started, I think there were some people saying eight, oh, no. 12 week everybody, retention. Everybody, this was in 2005, everybody who was doing lashes were saying that you can get three months. Yeah. And what they were doing was saying three months later, you would have one or two lashes still on there. Yeah, so therefore retention. it lasted. Yeah. But honestly, who's going to be bragging about what? Besides, they don't see them anymore. They'll see one lash. There's nothing there. And the lashes have twisted, they've turned, they've grown out. The truth is, really, most people, just their natural growth, you know, 
Three to five weeks is really it. We used to take clients up to six weeks after a point, but we realized they're so far grown out at that point, you have to remove so much and start over. We've decided to limit it now to five weeks. So anyhow, I just wanted to address that because I've seen this lately from a couple people really bragging these eight-week retention. And while, yes, lashes might hold on for eight weeks, no one's lashes look good for eight weeks. So anyhow, this is a side note. Also, we have LashCon ticket sales. Right now, I'm putting it out there, mostly to motivate myself to make sure I get it all done. It's April 5th. That, do, do, do. Yeah, April 5th, God willing, that Tuesday, the stars will align and the world will be as it should, and I will start selling tickets. And by the way, we've already sold out of our, our sponsorships. We sold out of our sponsorships, and then I, I'm squeezing in like hopefully six, seven more spots. We've created a little bit more space. Yeah, we went, talked to the hotel, and we found some more space. But I've already sold two of those, so I'm thinking I'm down to like six or seven spots. So the thing about lining up to get the tickets is because VIP is going to sell out? Yeah, VIP will sell. We've already sold about 25% of our VIP from the previous when we did our, our flash sale back in November. So only about 75% of the tickets are available. But I believe we have plenty of tickets for general admission or the business tickets. That one, there's a lot. I mean, I hope we sell out this year. I mean, we can literally see if we have all sponsor speakers, all the tickets, we could have somewhere between 900 to 1,000 people at this con. I'll be happy with seven to 800, but you know, hey, we're dreaming big. We're aiming high. We're aiming and we'll see high. what happens. And this you guys, year, yeah, you don't want to miss it. So if you uh, haven't marked your calendar yet, mark it today, April 5th. That will be the day tickets go on. And if you want the VIP, you definitely need to buy your tickets that day. And if you want the general admission or this business ticket, that will be there. And we're working on some other things where you can now go to day one, even if you're general, buy the general ticket because it's going to be an add-on. You'll buy your ticket and then there'll be a menu to say, hey, do you want to upgrade and go to day one? Or do you want to do this? Or you want to do that? Because we have a breakfast for salon owners and we're also working on another cool idea for Saturday afternoon. Still got clear with the hotel where you can maybe get some training. So we'll have some other stuff that'll be like add-on like an a la carte menu so all that's coming in just well gosh by the time this is out it'll be like five six weeks so it's crazy i can't believe it's almost here to start selling tickets it's gonna be getting excited all right so let's talk about what we're really here to talk about and that is why do clients don't return and i'll start with number one and i think this is a big one clients don't return because your customer service sucks Ooh, right yeah a lot of us are one person shows and we wear many hats and sometimes people fall through the cracks and it's easy when you're the only one wearing all those hats to let something slide because you have to follow up and find out what the problem was i think this is where self-awareness comes in a little bit you need to be a little self-aware we had staff in the day that didn't think all the little extra things that we did were that important. They were like, they're just here for lashes. And yes, there are some clients that just don't care. They want, just give me my lashes. Like, yeah, but I guarantee you there are more clients that do care about having a great experience. And experience doesn't mean they come in, they sit in the couch. When you're ready and you're not, and you're done, you, you have them go in your room, give them lashes, and you say goodbye, and they pay, and that's it. That's not customer experience. That's just a transaction. We always like to say we like to create memories. Like, we want to create such an experience that they are talking about this with their friends. They're going to Instagram and say, you wouldn't believe the experience you, I've had here. I mean, people have seen and taught me talk about my experience with Jiffy Lube and how I went there once, and my expectation was extremely low because I've been to Jiffy Lube before. 
and they blew me away. They greeted me. Everyone in the shop greeted me. The guy showed me where the coffee was. He said, I'll make you a cup of coffee if you want it. That's usually this point of go, there's your drinks over there. This guy was there to help me make my coffee. He, they explained everything in great detail. I mean, the guys went well beyond what I expected for a oil change, right? And that's what you need to be doing when it comes to your customer service in the salon. You can't just do the basic setup if you really hope to wow people. I used to work in hair salon years ago. This was before I even became a beauty practitioner. She and was front desk. I was front desk, yes. And one of our very talented stylists, she took a client. And she was normally known for being very personable, but she was just having an off day. She got a new client. The new client sat down in the chair. She didn't say anything to the person. She just said, what do you want? She started cutting her hair. The client left, and she called the salon a little bit later and complained. And she says, listen... I come to the salon because I like being treated like a person. This stylist, while my hair is amazing, it was almost like I wasn't there. I was like not a person. We listened to her and we apologized and we said, hey, would you like to come back? She was having an off day. She says, no, I don't want to, but you're not going to lose my business. I'm going to still come to you, but I just want to let you know that it's not just about the hair. I want to be treated like a person. Yeah, That was a really important lesson to me because technically this, this gal's haircut was amazing, but she wasn't warm to her. Yes, granted, we're all allowed to have a bad day, but it cost it cost her the confidence of this one person. So, And this is where you have to investigate and you have to find out. Like for us, when a client wouldn't rebook, I would call sometimes, especially if they'd been with us for a while. I would definitely call if we had a relationship. If they're new, we'd often just text or email and say, hey, I'm so sorry to see you didn't book or you're not coming back. Just And then I would ask, did we miss the mark? As you know, we've said that phrase a million times. Did we miss the mark in any way? Any insight you can give us into your ex- customer experience would be very helpful. And by far, most would just ignore it. Most would just go, nah, I'm not going to tell. But once in a while, they would. They would say, well, let me tell you about my experience. And then you're like, oh, we didn't see that. Okay, now here's the thing. If it's you doing it, if you're the one that's providing the service, you have to protect yourself with armor because whatever they're going to say, no matter what, especially if you're a person who cares, it is going to sting. It is going to feel like a punch. It might feel like it's below the belt. You have to put on your deflect emotion armor. Because it might be unreasonable. They maybe say, well, I expected to walk in and be given champagne yeah. or whatever. It's like, what? Whatever it is, you cannot be defensive. You have to be Oh, I see. Oh, you wanted champagne. Oh, I'm so sorry we didn't. Yes, yes, I can understand. Yes. And then you process that hurt later. So you have to put on a, pro- a poker face. You have a friend you go talk to and say, wow, yes. this is really hard. And because it's going to be hard. No matter what, if you care, it's going to sting. You're going to be put out. I just want you to don't make the situation worse. Just affirm what they're saying. And don't defend. Be defensive. Just accept it as a gift, by the way. You asked for this. You said, please tell me what didn't work for you, and they will give that to you and accept that. And then you have to decide, is that an issue you want to deal with? Is that like, oh, that's petty. I don't care if I lose her. That seems weird. Or hopefully more likely, and this is what we did, you go back and you kind of recreate and work in your business. Go, I bet I can improve that. I bet I can change that. I bet I can do better follow-ups. I bet I could have a more comfortable bed. I bet I could be better at greeting the guests. And, you know, while you're stressed and running around doing client to client, when they arrive, you're the only thing they see. So if you're not friendly and bubbly and all engaging, maybe you need to rethink that and go, you know what? I need to really work on my greeting skills and be much more friendly and warm and welcoming. While I may be stressed inside, I can't put that on the client. So this takes a little self-awareness, a little and strength and seeing the bigger picture 
that you understand they're giving you a gift. What's, I mean, what's your favorite phrase? Our most unhappy customers are our greatest source of learning. Exactly. Mr. Bill Gates himself. Yes, so. your most unhappy circumstances in life are your greatest teachers. Yep. Greatest source of learning. Because it's when you feel so uncomfortable, you can ask, what is causing that? Because I don't ever want to feel this way again. How can I fortify to make sure that it doesn't happen? All right, we got a bunch. If we keep going this long, we'll get through three of these. So let's go to the next one. Another reason why they don't come is bad lash retention. Mm, this is a pretty, pretty This big is actually now. pretty big. In fact, I think whenever I see polls done, like what's your number one problem? Yeah. Generally, this one is the number one. Most will say, well, my lash retention isn't that good. I get two weeks, maybe three. Yeah. And they might say, you know, call you two days later. All my lashes fell out. No, not all of them fell out. But in their mind, they have lost significant more than they expected to. So much so that they're calling to reach out to you, right? Your best effort is not to argue with them. They're telling you they're not happy and they're giving you a chance to fix it. Even if you did the best job that you could, there's always ways that we can improve. And what you should do is try to figure out what anything that you possibly can to make those improvements. Now, a lot of people think, well, maybe I could clean them better. Maybe I could use a primer. Maybe I can do this and that. Those are small ancillary things that could possibly make small differences. But your best guarantee to improve retention, guaranteed right away, is to use more adhesive over a larger surface area. Try to get closer to the base as well. I get close to the base. I put it right flush up against them. That's why we offer this course where Tesla really breaks it down. And there's other people out there that are doing this. We, our friend Carrie Bristow, she also teaches a class on retention. So I'm not just saying follow us. We've never taken Carrie's class, but I just love Carrie and she does great work and I really respect her. So she has a retention course. There are people out there trying to help you have better retention. So if you're struggling with that, you can listen to our podcast and you can definitely, we give away all our secrets yeah. here. You want the best possible mechanical fit. It's not this esoteric thing that's out there that you're trying to capture. There is a physical property and a physical ratio to make sure that you get the strongest joint, the strongest bond. And immediately what you can do is more adhesive over a larger yeah. surface area that is closer to the base. Okay. I'm not saying make it look messy. I'm not saying glue lashes together. I'm not saying any of that mess. Okay. If you've been doing lashes long enough, you know, you can control your adhesive. You control how you do it, but you need more of that going on so that you can create a larger surface bond so that it can withstand the normal trauma of daily living, washing, brushing, putting moisturizer on, sleeping, rubbing, yeah. all that stuff. Those things should not be exclusive. You should not tell your client, don't do those things because that's like saying live in a bubble, you know, wrap yourself in plastic wrap and then you can enjoy your lashes. That's just, it's, it doesn't work. We saw with our staff that when they first started learning our technique, that they would start with too much glue and then they would get less and less and less. And then all of a sudden we start getting that call. It almost happened within two months after they started, we get calls saying, my lashes all fell out because they were using less and less and less. And they had to go back the other way and go, okay, now I've gotten to that point where I'm using the least amount of glue possible and now I got to come back. And it's not the bond that you've been doing yeah. every single day, which is... Your tweezers are on the pad, you're isolating that lash, and you're dropping it on there. It is not a one-motion thing. If you want to get more surface area on, then you have to specifically paint the lash using a motion that you haven't been doing. You have to purposely get more adhesive on the shaft of the hair for a larger amount of it. That's going to create more of that mechanical bond, a stronger bond. Think about gluing two popsicle sticks together. If you use a tiny little fleck of glue, 
glue to bond those things, those sticks together. They'll stick, but in like two hours, you can just easily flick them apart with two fingers. But if you want to get a longer lasting bond, you're going to paint more adhesive over that surface area. And that's what you need to do with the lashes. Yeah. And if you want, we had an episode, I think we did in the last year that talks about lash retention. So you can go check out that and get that. And by the way, we really do. We tell you everything in our podcast that we do teach. We just show you better and Tessany sits down and helps you with your hands and really illustrates it. So while you conceptually can get it, I think really still in person training is the best. One of the challenges to trying to do this technique with the mindset that a normal lash artist has is that you're looking from the wrong perspective. In order to get a better fit, if you're bonding looking from the top down with your tweezers on the pad, you can't see the whole hair. You think that you can because you've been training yourself to do it that way since the day you picked up tweezers. But it is not the best way to isolate a lash and to look at it from the best bonding point. Because I'll just tell you this right now, when you're doing it like that, the way that most people bond, you're looking at the belly of the lash to bond. And most people bond the belly of the lash. They don't bond the base of it. Okay. Sorry, you're rolling your eyes at no, me. But I'm trying to give you guys I know, good I know, information. But we're, we're not going to redo that whole episode okay, right whatever. now. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to say that you can't change it. Go back and listen to the other episode. Doing it the same Otherwise, way that you're doing this it. This will be a 10-hour episode because we're going to go into deep answers on each of these just questions. I know you're trying to help, but you, your thing is you get you love going down the rabbit trail. And that's all good. Anyway, thank you guys for <laughs> let's just disagree here. <laughs> She's giving me the stink eye right now. Mm-hmm. All right. I love you. I do. I just want us to get going. Actually, this is our typical part of the reason why I come to the trainings is I help Tuss stay on track because we go often in our trainings. Tuss gets so passionate about this stuff. She just wants to go talk about forever. Well, because people are like, they're frustrated. They're like, why isn't it working? We all want a quick fix. We want, a, you know, just give me this. If I use this primer, if I do this. Yeah, we want a quick fix. There is no quick fix. Gals, if it's, you're struggling with your retention, you can't just fix it like that. You no. have to change your entire We all wish approach. it was this a glue. We wish it was a primer. We wish it was one thing and then everything overnight changes its technique. Just like anything. Everything in life is technique. Great chefs don't just go, if I just had the right pepper, I'd be a great chef. That's right. No. No, if I had the right pan. Yeah, if I had the right pan, a a painter, if I just had the right brush, I'd be a great artist. None of that makes sense. But some reason in our industry, we just think if I just had the right glue, then I would get the best retention. It's the same thing. So, all right. Retention. Go listen to the other episode or take our class or we'll get into it. We'll okay, be, what's we'll the next Next thing? one. Let's get on. Don't give the client design you want or the client doesn't get design they want. Like they ask for something and you think, no, I'm not going to do that because that's not a look I like or I don't want those lashes walking around saying you do do this. And we've had this feeling ourselves at times like I'm not going to give them that because then people say, where did you go? Well, I went to see Tustany and they're like, I will definitely not be seeing your gal, Right. Well, the thing is, is you got to give the client what they want, right? But a lot of times what happens is the client asks for something and you think that they're asking for what you can give them and you give it to them and they're not happy. And it's because you don't have any other tools to fit what they need. And you're like, what's wrong with this person, right? The point is, is that you might need some more tools in your toolbox to a hammer. 
Like design tools, like different ways of That's design. That's right. Yeah. To a hammer, everything is a nail. If you're a hammer, all you can do is pound on something, right? If you only know one or two looks, everyone's going to get that. And everyone starts out that way, and there's no shame in that. Yeah, I started kind of out that way, too. Training wheels. You get yeah. started in one way, and then you grow from there. But oftentimes, if the client keeps saying, I want it like this, I want it like this, and they keep telling you that, first of all, rejoice in the fact that they're telling you, because yeah. that means that they trust you, and they still want to give you a chance. But if you're not hitting it you've got to perhaps take a different tack or a different angle. to, And that's why you should go take a design course from other people, not just us. I mean, Justin has our last retention and design course or styling, but there's other people out there. I know Lash Ionarchist, Allie, she teaches design. I believe Alona from Revelation does. I know Trina from Maven Artistry, she does. All these people, they have classes who specifically going to teach you new ways design so you can do these different things. And there's videos on YouTube. So I just think the idea is if you really want to broaden your techniques and you need to go out and take classes or watch videos and just continue to expand your ability so that you can give different looks and not just a one size fits all. If you want to do a litmus test for yourself to see, you know, do you know more than one thing? Look at your pictures. Are they all the same kind of client, the same kind of eye, same age? Does it all look the same? Does it all have the same shape? If they all have the same shape, it doesn't mean that it's not beautiful because it can be beautiful. But if it's all the same thing, you might realize that, do you have elderly people on there? If you don't have elderly people and it looks different than the young 20-year-old, you might need to add some more tools to your toolbox. Exactly. So that's another reason. Another one would be, and with these ones I think will be quicker, talk too much. That you have a client who comes to lay down, who's there to lay down, wants to even take a nap possibly, and you're just a talker and you love to engage everyone. Yeah. If you don't pay attention to those clues, those people that want to be quiet, people think that they're being rude. How many people over the years have said, oh, I really would just would like to, to rest right now. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude. You're not rude. If they're telling you that from the beginning, they think that the, you want to engage with them. For people who are introverts, this isn't going to be a problem for you. But if you've always been the talker, if you, the comments from your teacher were always like, loves to talk, you might want to pay attention to this one. People might just need to chill out. And it might be hard for you. You might not want to give that, but it might be a reason why people aren't coming back. Actually, it's another thing you can do is you testing actually says at this point when she's really going to start focusing, I need to go into my quiet zone or where we say so I can give you the best work. Because I think you talking a lot could be something that slows you down and hurts your ability to do good bonds. Some of my people that the ones that do like to talk, they'll tell me ahead of time, oh, my lashes jumped off my face. And I'll say, listen, I think next time we just need to be quiet and not talk. And they're like, oh, that's the best part. For me, I really like to be quiet. So it's like when I hear them say that, it's just like, I need to be <laughs> I need to be quiet so I can give you best work. That's my best work. Yeah. And once you say that, like, well, I've, I want the best work. Yeah. I'm paying for this, especially in your pricing, right? So anyhow, another one would be being negative, talking about politics, talking about taboo things that probably push buttons. Well, see, here's the thing. If you're talking about it, then you must not think that there's anything wrong with it. And your views are your views. And I'm not saying anything about the validity of your views, but clients don't always have the same viewpoints as we do. Yeah. And they're not going to tell you that they don't like what you're or at saying. Least most, most will just most be quiet. Most people will not because you're doing a beauty service on them and they do not want to risk you themselves looking jacked when they would leave. Yeah, and it goes the other way too. Testies, there's some clients who come in who said some crazy stuff. Really and not, awful. I mean, there's a line. There's a line. Horrible like, like we've had clients that were that said racist things, and we've addressed that in the past. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about just 
views of the world, views of certain types of things, and Tesla's is just quiet. Just so you know, this is one of the reasons why people leave. If you say stuff, that's a generalization or a view or you perspective. Might even, you might not even be aware of it because the thing is, is that if you're saying it, you don't sense that there's any shame in it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But well, they, you have to yeah. remember the client is not paying for your views and they may be completely opposite of you. Yeah. They pay with their checkbook, and if they don't like your views or way you see the world, they'll just leave. So I think personal stuff, your, your personal beliefs and all that isn't really, this is not the time or place. They're paying you a lot of money unless to be cared for by you. Unless they ask you, yeah. unless they specifically ask you, hey, Paul, can you tell me about your deeply held religious beliefs or exactly. your deeply held political beliefs? Yeah, and even then I still wonder if, you know, if it's, a, it's really if a worth wise it. Thing because, to do. Yeah. yeah, because truth is, if the relationship was different, it was like a friend or a colleague or someone I know, yeah. But when it's a paying client who's paying the service to you and their sole purpose is there is to be treated by you, the focus should be on them, not on you spouting off your worldviews, your political, religious, or whatever beliefs you have. There's exceptions, of course. It's not a blanket statement. But overall, I think you just got to remember, you're there to serve them. That's your job. Serve them first and then let the other stuff be secondary. Let's keep moving. They don't like your setup. They don't. They think your setup sucks too. What's what do you think well, about that? Well, what I mean is, like, let's say they have to walk through a herd of sulking teenagers outside your building because you're right next to a, another business. A teen building. <laughs> Whatever. I'm just <laughs> the saying. Teen hangout shop. Something that's a high school <laughs> intimidating to them. Yes. You know what I mean? The whole experience walking in. Maybe you're. I mean, we we went to this one place. It was like in this whole blue collar area where there's all these guys and they're, they're cat, cat calling, calling, and, and Tuss was like, wait. I don't feel comfortable walking in where there's guys cat calling me to go get service. Oh my gosh, it was so uncomfortable, you know, and to recognize once we were looking at a new location and it was right across from a homeless shelter, like a place that they did services. And this was part of downtown area, but we recognized that there's going to be a problem. And as we were looking at the building, there were a lot of different social workers out and, and people like piles of junk on the street. And we realized that's not necessarily going to be ideal for our clients because they're going to have to interact with that. Yeah. All right. It's got a few more. Let's see if we can get through these quickly. Canceling and moving your clients. Mm-hmm. I can assure you, I've seen it with ourselves. I mean, we have had times where we had to cancel or move clients when we had a big staff, and it totally is taxing on the client. The client, especially we, one time, is one thing. But man, do I remember? I remember we did this one client. I couldn't believe it. It just seemed like she perfect storm. Whatever it was, Whatever we had to move her was. like four or five times to the point where I had to give her a free appointment to no, keep no, her. No, no, we gave her six free appointments. Oh, that's right. We gave her six. We gave free, her six half a year free. Every time she came in, she had a bad experience because of something like that. Yeah, we had to move her. I literally for four or five, six times. Like I, staff members kept getting sick, emergencies, Child care, whatever. whatever. But she got the lottery every single time yeah. she wanted. And so we finally made it up to her. Otherwise, she would have been gone. Yeah. And rightfully so, by the way. I think if you're, and I've seen this with lash stylists who love, I love my freedom so I can cancel, I can move, I can do whatever I want. If you take that and use that to all the power that you have and ex- exasperate it, your clients, and you're wondering why your clients aren't returning, that could be a big one. And they're not telling you, again, clients don't tell you these things because often they just stop coming or they just don't book again. And that's the way they're telling you they yeah. don't like your policies. Oftentimes, if you aren't approachable, they're not going to tell you because they don't want to risk that bad relationship. They'll just stop coming. Another one is bad breath 
fingers smelling like tobacco, just generally unpleasant You might smells. not be aware of it. You might not be aware. Sometimes, I mean, I remember when I, I used to have a weave, sometimes the weave <laughs> after working out would smell bad. And it's like, because you're wearing it so much, you sometimes aren't aware of it. And be, I would be like, oh my gosh, my hair smells so bad right now. Or like a team member, like if you're a smoker, you don't smell the smoke on your clothes or the cannabis or whatever it is, but it can get into the clothes and it can insaturate you become like immune to it. So you have to be aware that you might be bringing different smells into the room, even your breath situation. Sometimes yeah. if you're on a, a medication that stops, you know, like you're trying to stop smoking or whatever, but it, or even keto, keto breath can cause not the best smells coming from you, right? Yeah. But you have to be aware that you have to be self-aware. And your right? clients aren't going to tell you they this again. They are not going to tell you. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, I'm leaving because your breath stinks. They're just going to say, oh, I'm I'll book next time. I'm really busy or I might, something's come up. I'll get back to you. And they just leave. Perfume. Yeah. We wear perfume because you think it smells good, but not everybody has the same taste, right? I'm super sensitive to smells. If somebody has a, a really strong perfume, sometimes they can give me a headache. There are people that are like that and they're yeah. not going to tell you, oh my gosh, I can't stand the perfume that she wears. In fact, we've had some clients who, when they came in with their perfume was so strong, it would leave the, it, you couldn't leave the building. Like the building wouldn't leave. They would be gone and an hour later, still be like, I can still smell that. And you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so you don't want to be that offender. You know, when you're pregnant, you smell things even more heightened. Yeah. Just be sensitive. You want your stuff to be neutral. Yeah. Your candles should be a mild, not super strong smelling. Uh, and definitely perfume, anything you wear. I, we've had this where someone, um, clients have complained that, well, someone in your team member must have been smoking because I can smell it on their fingers. So if you do smoke, man, you got to like scrub your hands and yeah. make sure they're super The reason clean. why we say this is because we had team members that smoked and the clients would complain. She smelled like perfume and cigarettes. Because when you're a smoker, you think you just put the, the perfume over it and then it camouflages it because you don't. I remember I was in junior high and one of the girls, it was a party at school. And she brought a big bowl of popcorn and nobody touched the popcorn. And she said, why didn't anybody eat my popcorn? And we all looked at her and we said, it smells like smoke. And she's like, it does? <laughs> and like, even the teacher's like, yeah, can't you smell this? She picked up the popcorn in her hand and she smelled it. She's like, I can't smell anything. It was the grossest thing ever. But, I, but we all realized she was so used to her mom smoking so much in the, in, in that she couldn't smell how yeah. coated it was. You don't smell it. You don't smell the cigarette smoke on you. All right, we have one more, but before we do, I just want to go back and recap one principle I think that would help people. And that is really this comes to being self-aware. If people are not returning, if your retention rate, and by the way, one of the things we encourage people to track is their new client retention rate. And really for a healthy salon, that number needs to be around 60%. What does that mean? That means six out of 10 clients who are new to you, who book, come back next month and stay. Now, if they don't come back, let's say you had 10 new clients this month. You said, well, only one came back. That's when that's a warning flag. That's a red flag. That should be telling you something is unclear. Something is not right. Your experience somewhere in this lineup of things that we just shared, some things are, are being ticked off by the client, flagged by the client. I mean, the smell, maybe the experience, maybe you're talking, maybe it's your view, maybe it's your setup, maybe it's uh, the design of the lashes, maybe it's the retention, whatever. It's somewhere in there is the answer to your question because 
you shouldn't be only getting one client out of 10 back. You should be getting minimum six. That's kind of like your benchmark. And if you get anything better, like our salon, we range between 60 and 80% of all clients who came in, new clients came back. Because of course, there's some clients who are just trying a new place, a wedding, a They're birthday. Visiting, They're visiting, a holiday, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you're never gonna get 100%. And if you, by the way, if you're getting 80, 90%, that means you're kick ass, by the way. In fact, the good news about that is that you probably are gonna be fully booked really quick because you have such good skills that people are staying. But this is just so you're looking, and if, if, go back to your books right now, this last month or last couple months. See how many new clients you had, see how many came back, and see what their percentage is. And if it's over 60%, then Keep doing what you're doing. If it's below 60%, I strongly encourage you to start looking at this list of things. And, and do some soul searching. Yeah. And then if you have some clients that you really trust that have a good relationship, maybe you can ask them, say, hey, you know, I'm trying to understand a little bit more about my business. I know that a lot of people never just tell me what they just want me to be happy, but I'm okay when I hear something negative because I want to grow. I want to be get better at what I do. Could you share some of your thoughts with me about your experience? Or maybe you have a family member or a friend who comes in, you can ask them, say, look, I love you. And even if you share something that's not so pleasant for me to understand, to hear, I will take that and I will grow from it. And maybe you have some people who can get those real honest answers. Most clients don't want to piss you off, don't want to upset you. So they'll just tell you whatever you want here. But maybe you have a few people you can trust who can give you that insight. That's only, I'd say, if you're below that 60% mark. If you're over that, I feel like you're probably doing good on most of these things and you're growing your business. So last, and this is a good one. The last one that I'm going to share is a good reason to lose clients. And that is you're enforcing your policies. Chicken yeah, we did. Uh, we have a talk on this, and I, I think I think we did an episode of this too. I've lost track of what episodes we've done, but that said, enforcing your policies is a wonderful thing. And those clients who do not respect your policies, like they cancel all the time, they no show, they come a half hour late, whatever it is. And if you have policies that basically run up against that and you charge them or deny them service or whatever you've come up with, we won't go into all the different types of policies. But they get mad and say, well, if you're going to force this, then I'm not going to come back. Good for you because it sounds like the client who's always no-showing or being late or canceling isn't your ideal client, I hope. So that's not a bad thing. It's okay. And that's a good reason that you lose a client. In fact, I'd say that's the only good reason why you should lose a client. In fact, you should go celebrate to yourself. Have a toast of champagne. Yeah. There's the champagne. That's what we have. We Actually, we, no, I just realized we don't have champagne here. We have Back when we had a salon in our, in our fridge, we had a bottle of champagne. And, and it we, was a gentle reminder to all of the staff that we get to like who we work with. Yeah. And, and if we ever had to fire somebody, we'd all have a glass of champagne and toast in the back. And I think we only did a few times. We did it a couple times. Yeah, yeah. maybe two. So it wasn't like it was like every week, yeah, we're firing someone. It was very rare. But what we prefer to do is have the client fire themselves. And the way you do that is by enforcing your policies. Really simple. So... Anyhow, hopefully that list helped you guys out. There's a lot more reasons why people don't come, but I think that's a big one. But I'd love to hear from you. If you have some other reasons, why don't you DM me, email me, or text me, or whatever, <laughs> all the smoke signals, whatever, you, how you want to communicate with me, let me know. I'd love to hear why you're, you, you've seen clients maybe not come back and let us know because I'd love to update our list and help people maybe we'll come back with another episode with more reasons why your client is not coming back. But anyhow, guys, that's a wrap. That's it. We're all done. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today i want to ask you to please follow us on instagram at lashcast podcast and at the last conference and remember to subscribe share and review on behalf of my last coco crisp tustany i want to thank you for taking some time to listen keep on lashing and remember you have a friend in the lash industry